0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Beloved, now open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We have the Ten Commandments there beginning uh, with verse 3, I believe. No, verse 2. We are now uh, into the second table, as they call it, of the Ten Commandments, beginning with the Fifth Commandment. It's found in verse 12. I'll be uh, preaching that text this evening. But I'll be preaching this text for the next uh, probably probably the next three cons, uh, three uh, future Sundays when I preach up here. Simply because we're going to look at this commandment and its relationship to the various uh, uh, positions uh, and uh, classes of people and persons, offices, and their various relations. So, uh, and the reason I want to park here is that uh, this sin, this sin in particular. This particular commandment it needs a much greater uh, emphasis in our churches. If the church is going to be a light and a salt in the world, uh, we need to show the world what good order is. And we have, we have forgotten, we are very, very close to forgetting entirely that authority, all authority is from God, and that it's generally speaking, if the authority is... Uh, is giving good counsel and, and, and good laws, and good order. It, it, there's a ble- there's a blessing here uh, for us to fall in line, uh, not in the keeping the commandment of itself. The, the law has no power to bless, but God, Jehovah God, our covenant God, is behind all of these commandments, and He sees us and He sees our intent to keep order and give Him glory uh, in His creation, and He's promised here. He's, he gives us a promise within this commandment to bless. So. Um, And besides, righteousness, if there were no other reward, it's its own reward. Righteousness is its own reward. And we ought to love it for that sake. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you. Let's pray. Help us, Lord. Help us to receive this one verse, this one commandment. Help us, Lord, to Understand it, not uh, comprehensively as you do, but in a manner similar, similar as you would have us to understand it in the mind of Christ, as you might relay it to us in your spirit. And uh, teach us always, Lord, but teach us what it means to honor, what it means to honor fathers and mothers. Now, this is honorable in your sight, and we would honor you in receiving this commandment with love and store it in our hearts and uh, cheerfully obeyed through the help of your grace and in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you get emails as I do, various kinds of uh, ads. Uh, some of them are uh, really are amazing. Uh, some that I've read uh, are, are hoping that I would buy their product, and their product uh, claims that they, it reverses aging. Have you seen this? Have you seen the products? Use this product in your... It reverses aging, and that has me intrigued. I always say, "Oh, well, I'm going to be what? Am I going to be 66 next year, and then 65, or what? What does it mean to re- reverse aging?" I think what they want—they want to tell you—is there's really uh, a lot of benefit to this pro- project. Your you know, your body will be healthier, things like that. But you know, this whole thing about uh, living long uh, get, gets our attention, right? It gets our attention. And so you, you, you have any number of ways that you hope to keep along by eating properly and getting exercise and proper rest. And no one understands that God has given us a prescription here. Generally speaking, generally speaking, as long as it will suit His glory, as long as it is good for the creature to live longer, He, he will promise in this commandment, a long life. <laughs> and I find it particularly interesting that everyone is interested in living long these days, but hardly anybody is interested in honoring father and mother and keeping good order under authority. I think we've got to look at this commandment and see what God is saying us, because the law is meant to be a good revelation, He's favoring his people with the revelation of his will because if we keep his will as creatures in his creation, it will, it will go much better for us. Nations that fall into idolatry are the first ones that receive his wrath. Nations that don't keep Sabbath are eliminated and chastened and if you will just look, I'll take a look around, all of the ancient societies that are still going on in some form or another—I know many many boast of continuous dynasties and all that—but you know, for instance, the Chinese and the Japanese and some of the more the, 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 more, uh, the older Asian countries—they have an understanding and a reverence for their fathers, their parents, sometimes overbearing, so they they almost worship them as gods, right? Sometimes they do. But at least they have this memory that they are to be careful and stand before the the hoary head, as we're instructed in the Bible. The Jew had reverence for those uh, of their elders. Uh, And um, and and it makes for a long and and good order among any people. Uh, And and yet uh, uh, nations that are disorderly and do not respect authority are prone to rebellion and revolution and churn and turmoil and I I think we're all sensing some of that encroaching chaos. I think this is a commandment for our day. Uh, And I, I, I just want to serve that as an appetizer because children, we don't, there are no such things as age-reversing uh, pills. Okay, if you get a message like that, just put it in the, uh, in the op box. Dump it, trash. However, generally speaking, the Lord has something here for you, that if you will honor your father and the mother, as the Bible would define it, uh, you can do no better to enjoy long life and general peace, a sweeter peace. That's the proposition, very simply, and for tonight I'm just going to say honor your father and your mother, and we will preach the the literal uh, as, as well as the, uh, a fuller understanding of what it means to honor father and mother. Now, the first point we have to recognize is that you must honor uh, every authority whom God has set over you. Honor them. Natural parents, uh, adoptive parents, parents, um, uh, parents uh, at litem, uh, those that uh, are set in wherever sphere you are, um, God wants you to know that you are to give them honor. Uh, placing honor is more than just not disobeying them. The commandment is positive. It's a positive commandment, not a positive law. It's a moral law. It's a positive commandment. And the way we understand this in our hermeneutics governing our our Ten Commandments in Westminster Larger Catechism is a positive law is always to be obeyed. Okay? So you must honor, not just not disobey. Natural parents, adoptive parents, your superiors. Uh, in age, and I, I'm not going to quibble about, well, you know, George is three days older than I am, and so I've got to fall in with George. Uh, that's, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, generationally, for sure, or significantly a uh, significant experience. Uh, just be aware of that. I know it's a, it's a gray area, sure. Okay. But be be conscientious, and when in doubt, all, honor all men above yourself, as, as Jesus has. He's a servant of all. Uh, superior is in age, and then here's one that gets us. Superior in gifts. Now, there is something in our sinful nature where we covet honor, we covet uh, others to esteem us. And uh, we don't like people to outshine us in intelligence, uh, in uh, elocution, I mean eloquence, any number of gifts, uh, their, their dominion, their authority, we, we take it wrong if they are truly gifted. It doesn't make sense because his gifts, if he's a Christian, he's there serving the people and he's serving you so we should rejoice in the giftedness because it's Christ's wisdom and God's wisdom that has given them that but we, we do begrudge Uh, Young people that are brilliant. Uh, I won't go into details on that, but, you know, it happens everywhere. Musicians uh, uh, that are long, expert in their fields, you get a brilliant, brilliant artist who is truly genius at the piano, and they begrudge his talent. Uh, Superiors in various spheres of life the immediate connotation is probably the family because that's the first society, and that's where we first learn this commandment. Father and mother are there uh, to set order and uh, that the children might learn this, this law, that they might keep it, and they might learn how to be obedient in the family. But then that extends to the neighborhood, the state, the school, and then hopefully in the church, We've got to learn this, and the better we learn it, and the sooner we learn it, the better. And so we're talking about various spheres of life. Uh, Of course, things get interesting when one person is a superior in one one sphere, such as a high executive, one of an oil and gas company's high executive, and then he comes to the church, and he is a regular member, and he has a young elder, say he's 30 years old, uh, (laughs) And uh, the elder has authority over this senior executive. Uh, Because in in his relative spheres, uh, that's how the Lord has arranged it. And God is the one who sets people up in those spheres and, and distributes gifts. So you must honor every authority whom God has set over you. So learn what we mean by that. Superior in age, superior in gifts, in various spheres of life. And watch it when you mix uh, spheres. I may be a big shot here. I'm not saying I <laughs> but I might consider myself a big shot here and then go to another church and then no one's elected me pastor. I can't just say anything I want over there. I better, I better measure my words, okay? <laughs> I just have to know my place. Second point, every society features an orderly arrangement. Every society but it, uh, every society is based on Trinity. And relationship and we're not going to preach on that this evening it's a, it's a it's a wonderful theological subject, a great great for meditation on this commandment and in for instance, in any relation at all in your in your life, if you want to improve relations, one of the best things you can do is is a deep study with prayer of the Trinity itself, uh, the subordination of the Son to the Father in the Lord Jesus, but equal in power and glory in the Trinity. And equal love, equal glory, and then, but the sons proceeding from the Father and the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, and yet there's peace. It's a, it's it's the Godhead that the free persons are the elemental society, and then when when they create angels and when they create Adam and Eve, those creatures are are brought into a, a relationship, and that's called fellowship, the friendship with the Trinity in the society of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's called the fellowship. Uh, and that has its governing um, relationships as well. So every society features an orderly arrangement, and the cosmos means an orderly arrangement. Universe in the Greek, cosmos. It's an orderly arrangement. The medieval period, medieval churches, it went, actually actually, it over, it went it went crazy on this thing, but everything had to be, had to be structured. And if you read Dante's, uh, circles of, of hell and, and heaven and all that, it, it features that extreme interest in orderliness. Order may, uh, may change for you as you grow older, as you, get, uh, as you increase in dominion and calling, and as you move from one sphere to the other. And so the, while the commandment is absolute, you're going to have to have wisdom as to when to apply this law. And it's not—it's not good enough to hear the law of God. Uh, the minister and your elders are here to help you learn how to apply the law, when and where. And that's wisdom. And without that, the church goes nowhere because the, the bare commandment does nothing, unless you drive it home and with, this, with the graces of the Holy Spirit reaches your heart and gives you an ability to discern when and where uh, this applies. All right, third point of the sermon. The fifth commandment then directs the duties of the various uh, places and people and uh, relationships. Superiors, peers, and inferiors in their, in their various relations. Now this evening I'm going to only deal with the duties of inferiors in relation to the superiors. And the reason is that's the most natural reading of the commandment. It's the first read. And it's also the first thing that we need to learn in life. And that's why I'm learning. I'm teaching it this way, um, and that's basically the way that the larger catechism structures it. So it makes a lot of sense. So let's consider the duties of inferiors in relation to the superiors. Again, in future sermons, we'll we'll learn uh, the duties of uh, superiors to inferiors, lest they become overbearing. And this is a, a very good teaching, especially for those that are seeking office in the church or or wanting to be fathers for the first time in their, in their families, They're wanting to be teachers, wanting to be elected uh, public officials. Um, all this has bearing in all of these things. So the duties of inferiors tonight, the duties of inferiors to relations with superiors. Now, as the commandment here more than suggests, that all superiors are to be as parents uh, to their inferiors and inferiors are as children. Now, remember what I mean by superior and inferior. Uh, they may be in age. They may be in giftedness. I'm not speaking necessarily in intelligence. We tend to place a high, a high premium on intelligence. I'm smarter than you. You've got to understand this. So fall in. No. Uh, the, the gifts that may be varied and may be variegated It may be more more complex than that. And see, this is where we need the Lord's wisdom. And when in doubt, give preference, give honor to the other. Uh, Take the back seat. Take the lower oar uh, in the ship. Go below and be an under oarsman like, like Knox was as a slave. All superiors are to be as parents to their inferiors and inferiors as children. They are to express love and tenderness to them. That's what parents do. Now, it's easy when babies are cute, right? But cute babies turn into messy babies and screaming babies and horrible, not-sleeping babies. And, and even cute, cute, cute babies can really be taxing. You, know, you can imagine when they get a little older, you begin to thank God that he didn't make children you know, six feet tall, that they're born small, where you can pick them up and do something with them. Okay? Express love and tenderness to the children. They need that. They need to learn the love of a father. And you should be encouraging as, as a superior, you should be encouraging willing and cheerful service. Not just rote service. Not, not just surface uh, obedience. Yes, I, I will pick up my clothes. But in my heart I'm burning the house down. No, that is not that is not the response of a holy child. It's cheerful. It's, it's free. It's a willing service. Anything less than that, failing that, is sin. And again, all of, all of these things begin with the heart and our heart's attitude. We do it for the, for the sake of the love of God. We do it to honor God because He is our God and this is the way He expresses holiness. Now, what are the duties of inferiors to their superiors? Well, first of all, inferiors owe reverence. That is to say a proper placement of glory and dignity and regard for those that are their superiors. And they need to do this and show this in their work and in their behavior which includes such uh, things that uh, may have seem fine and funny, but are not. So if your parents' children tell you, uh, please pick up your room and you roll your eyes, that's a favorite one, is it? Or when you hear an argument from your old dad, he wasn't thinking very straight, and he, oh, no, he lapses and he gives you a, l- a lousy reason why you should brush your teeth. You do not roll your eyes. Or brace, or show any number, or exhibit any number of of uh, behaviors that would show uh, disrespect. Your words and their tone, same way. But again, the problem is your heart. We're we're not we're not Christians here before behavior mod. A secular psychologist can possibly uh, change your behavior of your child. There are those that will work with your dog and make them obedient. But this is not the the task of the church. The task of the church is to direct people to the power of the Holy Spirit, to change hearts, and to avail of the power of the new life in Christ, to obey from the heart willingly. And uh, less than that is not really the full Christian teaching. All reverence is due to your superiors you should be praying for them and you should be giving uh, first of all when you address God in prayer for your mother and father or for those who who are uh, your your managers at work a good practice my friends is to be thankful for them this sets the tone now I, I, we have i have a pastor's weekly prayer prayer sheet and i i try for a long time i was succeeding Sometimes I miss this. The first thing I say when I come to a name, Monday list, Tuesday list, Wednesday list, you know, I call you on those days and ask you about prayer requests and all that. But uh, the first thing I say, I thank you, Lord, for so and so. Now, sometimes uh, it's, a, it's a real, it's a real act of faith <laughs> to be thanking God for some of you. But thank God, we must. And if I feel a a pinch, that's sin in me. It's not that it's your problem. It may not be your problem at all. It's my problem in how I'm relating to you and not honoring you. Okay? Prayer and thanksgiving for your superiors. Because generally, if you're under their authority, as it goes well for them, it goes well for you. I don't know who you voted for this last presidency, but I'm telling you right now, if you're not praying for a president, you're foolish. Because as he goes, you go. And that's just a covenantal uh, or, uh, arrangement of all of life, whether we like it or not. The imitation of their virtues, the imitation of, of their graces. Do they have good habits? Well, consider those and do they have. Uh, are they honest? Do they insist on in honesty? Will they, will they tell the truth? And will they swear to their hurt and not, even, not change when, when it uh, becomes impractical? Are they people of principle? Are they willing to compromise? Uh, virtue? Are they, are they, do they love their enemies? Do they speak well of others even when it costs them something? Do they look out for other people? Do they seek others first rather than themselves? Are they sacrificial? Do they deny self? Are they giving you of uh, their love at their own sacrifice? You know, a lot of their, your parents, they could be driving better cars and taking Alaskan cruises, and yet they're, they're saving money for your education. You might think about that. Imitate their virtues and graces. Willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels. If you're in church and an elder... Let you know that this is the will of God. If you're not sure of it, you, you do some study and consideration. If you haven't studied the moral law of God, or if you haven't studied a particular ethical situation or given it much thought, do not jump to the conclusion that someone is legalistic when they're giving you a good commandment, especially if he's an authority. Why don't you pause and do what James says be quick to hear, slow to speak slow to anger. It may be a new teaching. Uh, it may be that you don't know everything. And it may be that you haven't even explored the the, the finer details of the, of the moral law and its excellencies and its perfections. So there's room to grow. There's room at the top. So willing obedience to their lawful commands. Now if they're telling you to sin, of course, you say, how could that be? And and you might question, well, show me in the scripture. If it's in the scripture directly, well, you have your answer. It's, if it's there by good and necessary consequences, there you have your answer. That's how we understand the commandments of God. Counsel, it's good to have many counselors. There's wisdom in the many counselors. Those whom God has set before you in the church, you would be wise to listen to first. Now, God has, from eternity, decided that you would be here tonight and you would be here uh, either as members or visitors of, of Covenant Presbyterian Church. Now, he could have arranged any number of other places. And I'm not saying that you you can't read other books and other and listen to other podcasts and other sermons, but you do you are remiss if you underappreciate the people that God has set right in front of your nose and uh, have high acclaim for all these strangers that visit your living room through through your iPhone. You, you lack sense. There's a reason why you're here and you're not there. And there's a reason that you are here and you are not, not omnipresent. So consider your station and your place and learn how to honor fathers and mothers. You, you are required here's a nasty word, to, to submission. Do submission to the corrections and the goal of the of the scripture in all discipleship is, according to Paul, as he tells young Timothy, young Timothy, young Timothy doesn't want to hear this, by the way. He's young. Young men do not enjoy correcting older men in the congregation. They just don't it's very awkward. Especially in these older societies, in the Mediterranean societies, Timothy and all of church history had him recorded as a rather, as a rather uh, shy individual. Um, at the last, I think he he was very bold, and he and he and he, he, he cried. I, I think of memory suit, suits. He died reciting a, 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 a procession of idolaters, and they and they killed him. He was a martyr, if 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 history is correct. Do submission to their corrections. The Bible is given for correction, reproof, training, and righteousness. You can expect a correction every once in a while, and not merely from the pulpit. And the authority that elders have is both several and joint. When the session meets, they have authority at session for their decision. When they are apart, they still carry the vested authority of Christ as individual elders. They don't have to be in session to have authority in the church. If they speak a word to you in the church... That's the office that Christ has appointed for them. And do you suppose they enjoy correcting people? Do you really suppose that that your minister likes to correct people that might just take offense and leave the church? (laughs) Think about that. Who wants to correct? I don't even like to correct my children. But we have to because we fear God more than, than the consequences. That's why we correct, because God, it, God wants us to correct. Besides, sin will undo us. Sin will undo any soul, and sin will undo a church. Fidelity to, uh, to the, uh, fidelity to, that, is, that is to say, uh, being loyal to, to the authority, to defend them, to maintain their persons in their place. Be ready to say, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. You can't, you can't go around speaking ill of this person. First of all, he's a Christian. And, and there's, nobody, there's nobody here to... De, to he's not here here to defend himself. What are you doing here? There must be loyalty. There must be loyalty to authority. You must learn how to defend people. If someone thinks the, the pastor is out of line when he calls somebody... No, a pastor's just doing his job. He's not after... He's not, he's not wanting to intrude into your life. This is what elders do. So defend the practice, the, the biblical practice of the office. Bearing with their infirmities. Count on it. Put it in your Google calendar. Elders, teachers, parents, they will sin. They will hurt you. They will cause offense they hopefully they won't cause scandal but if you don't mitigate their offenses as weaknesses and not vile and not and not vile hatred okay then i think it'll go better with you if you overstate the case you will lose you will lose the ability to honor them you will cease to honor them and that you will be in a perpetual state of breaking this commandment You will live in the church as an infidel and rebel. And that is disorder in the kingdom. Bearing their infirmities, covering them in love. Does it, it hurts. Look, The, 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 the example is Christ. He was nailed to the cross and he was forgiving his offenders. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And he calls him his friend. You, 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 of course, that's the, that's the divine son of God. He goes, he goes infinite. He, his, his love and patience and kindness are infinite. But my friends, we're, we're going to need to learn that if we're going to honor God, we're going to take several punches to the spleen. Have you ever put, been punched to the spleen? Yeah, yeah you're going to be knocked down on the ground. You may not get up for a while. You may be in trouble. But you need, you need to learn how to forgive especially if that punch was, was a mistake or an, an inadvertent thing or not intended really to harm and the person is embarrassed and they, they apologize. We have got to learn that when you cover sins, there's repercussions. And the repercussion for you forgiving other people is that you will suffer. And there's no shortcuts. That's bearing the cross. That's participating in the sufferings of Christ. That's a godly suffering. And if you ask God, I can't bear this, ask Him for the joy because you're obeying Him and He will supply with that suffering joy. And the joy will be strength to you and you will bear it better. But suffer you must because all are called to the cross. We're not here to be adored and pampered. We're here to show the glories of Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And often that includes suffering even in the house of your brethren. The goal, then, is that uh, you might be an honor to these in Christ and to their government. That the office of father in the family be esteemed, again, and renewed. That the office of teacher in the classroom might be restored to some lustre. Maybe they'll start getting better salaries if people esteem their teachers better and not run them uh, threadbare. Maybe our governor's... Maybe more good people would go and and run for office if those men were loved and esteemed rather than criticized. I don't know what might happen, but I know that God would be pleased. And 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 in general, people would live longer. In general, your life will be better. And that's what the promise of this commandment is. So those are the duties of inferiors to superiors. What are the sins of inferiors to the superiors? Well, when we neglect all of that, Or when we explain away and pick commandments such that, well, and we're very good at this, by the way, the the more studied we are in the Bible, the more we'll be like those Jews uh, that, you know, that that Jesus condemns when he says, look, you're great at keeping your own traditions, but as to keeping the law of God, you're not so good. Because, uh, you know, concerning uh, the honoring of your father and your mother, whatever whatever you would have given to them, you consider oh, well, I already give it to the temple. It's Korban, okay? It's Korban, I've given it to the temple. God is pleased with that. I'm all out of money, and I can't give out of nothing that I have. I don't have that nothing. Uh, I don't have that something. So, so we are fabulous at, an, at excusing ourselves from duty. And, and on religious grounds. On religious grounds. Watch that. You, you, are, you are to honor them envying at it, contempt of, and rebellion against their persons. Now, there's a lot of places we could turn to this. Um, Joshua thought that the people of Israel were in contempt of Moses when they uh, received the Spirit and they were prophesying. Uh, Because, of course, the church in the wilderness had been so very contentious. And so Joshua says to Moses in Numbers 11, My Lord Moses, stop, stop them. They're, they're, they're singing about they're going, They're prophesying. They're, Moses said to Joshua, Are you jealous for my sake? <laughs> yeah? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. In other words, uh, there's a question mark as to why these people are doing this. 1 Samuel 8 the people rebelled against Samuel. Samuel, who had been a near-perfect judge and prophet, and you might say a king, and he was also a priest. He had all offices, and he fulfilled them beautifully, but people weren't happy with him. And he protested because the people were clamoring for a king. They wanted to be like the other nations. They, wanted, they thought that that was a better arrangement than to have Jehovah as their immediate king or a judge under Jehovah. And Samuel was, was heartbroken. The Lord said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8, and verse 7, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, because they have not rejected you, they have rejected me from being king over them. God sees the heart, and he cuts to the quick. Just Samuel, don't take this personally. It's not about you. No, 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 no. These people are at war with me. Envy, contempt, rebellion against their their persons. Uh, Reading from Isaiah, I've lost the reference here. Isaiah. I don't know which chapter it is. Youth will be insolent to the elder, and the despised will be insolent to the honorable. That's the curse that uh, what happens in a nation that that, uh, loses sight of God's law and the fear of God vileness is exalted among the sons of men, and it should ring a bell. Also, envying and contempt of and rebelling and against their positions. Now, there's a long list of things here. Uh, if you study, if you study the, the history of the kings of Israel, you'll get plenty, in Judah, you'll get plenty of, of examples. But um, uh, one reading from Exodus 21, children, this is for you. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. capital punishment in the Old Testament was not always obeyed to the full extent of the law, but what the law here is saying that is that a child who does that is guilty enough uh, to be placed under capital penal sanction. And in the New Testament, the correlation is that this is such a grievous sin that you have every reason to consider that you are not in a state of grace, that you are unregenerate, 1 Samuel 10 to verse 27 on the appointment of Saul a young man when Samuel obeyed the Lord he said okay well here's your king some worthless fellow said of Saul how can this man save us and they despised him they brought him no present but Samuel and Saul held his peace like Samuel didn't even want to be king. <laughs> Remember, he was hiding among the baggage. <laughs> and that was God's appointment. He was, it turned out to be not so good in the end, but it's by Jehovah's appointment. And so we must honor the king and not have contempt over under his position. Contempt and rebellion in their, law, in their lawful counsels, commands, and corrections... Uh, there are those who curse their fathers, do not bless their mothers, Proverbs 30, and verse 11. The parents of a rebellious child, or anybody, any any inferior at all, not just a child, any inferior, they might say to the authorities, this, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then All the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones so you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Again, what is at stake, my friends, is more than just your family peace. What is at stake here is the order and society of a nation. And if that should erode, uh, the nation is, uh, under God especially, is subject to discipline, but under the nose of every other uh, Nation they are subject to the discipline of the Lord, military defeat and disbursement and that 's the way God disciplines his people all right there there are, There are so many references here, but uh, uh, cursing and mocking rebellious behavior as proves a shame and a dishonor to those in society in, in their person or in their office and in the government. That is a breach of this commandment, Um, and it it invites the Lord's displeasure and His chastening, if you're a Christian, His wrath, if you are not. So those are just some of the the examples. Uh, There are so many I I really can't fill out uh, this teaching here, but we'll get into more examples later as we examine this commandment in in future sermons. The conclusion here is that Jehovah has placed all men under some kind of authority. All the cosmos is arranged in a nice and neat order under God. Um, so God commands you to recognize this, His orderly arrangement in creation, and it's His doing, His wisdom, His authority, His government, and then honor all those that are in authority over you as fathers and mothers looking to do you good. Looking, until, they're prov- until they're proven to actually want to do you harm, Such as, if I have my history correct, and this is the the risk I take in, in annotating history, as George III in the time of the American Revolution was hiring mercenaries to kill his subjects in the colonies because they didn't like their political position without trial. That is a plain abdication of the role of a father in government and hence either rebellion is called for or Regicide but all in due process. Uh, he has to be processed first. No one in the church or in the state can, can can remove authority without process. You can't just decide to turn your back on authority all of a sudden uh, because you believe that he's evil. What evidence do you do? Have you listened to both sides? That's, that's maddening. Everything needs to be done decently and in order. And we, have, we are Presbyterians and we have books and thick books explaining the process in that and so and we vowed as officers to go ahead and 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 follow follow that process okay so don't don't be eager to suspect ill will or mischief when a superior lapses in judgment or gives uh evidence of that he's annoyed with you or yeah 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 he's going to do that that's sin that's sin but that's, that's his weakness. That's, his, that's, that's the sin that plagues all of us. Or do you think that you are beyond that kind of sin? Will you not be gracious? I, I, I would not want to be a part of any of the church that cannot cover others' sins in love. The sin of rebellion, my friends, of inferiors to superiors. This is, this is very serious. <laughs> The sin of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. How? Think think through this. The sin of rebellion is as witchcraft, said Jehovah to Saul, because witchcraft attempts to gain some benefit or end through means prohibited by God. That's sorcery at the heart. Okay? People hoping to bypass heaven... It's gonna find some portal there, some black hole in the universe, they're gonna go through some. And they're gonna yeah, there's some parallel universe where you can get away with doing this. They want to gain some benefit. So they turn to Satan. Basically, you're 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 combating the kingdom of God and the, the throne of God. And some people actually covenant with Satan that they might get some ends that they want. And that's sorcery. And if you want peace and and fruitfulness in the church, while ignoring due process, ignoring God's commandments, if you want peace and unity in the church, and you're ignoring the session, or you're ignoring the the lawful commands or biblical commands of your superiors, that's 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 not a wish, my friends, and that's not mere ignorance. That's sorcery. That's rebellion. And you are not sowing the seeds of righteousness. You are sowing discord and schism. Church growth by, by compromise with, this, with the God's law. Church growth by compromise at worship. Where's that going to go? That's rebellion. That's not the way the kingdom of God is built. Beware of vain philosophies. There are plenty of Spirits out there teaching that all men are equal, and so we should all be levelers, away with authority. People who say that usually want to be at the very top and then govern all people and have no middle structure at all to reporting authority. Beware of levelers in human society, full of philosophies. Beware of setting false dichotomies. The authorities over you in the church... Have the, law, have the Bible as the, the only rule of faith and practice. But we have subscribed a whole constitution giving our best shot at what that understanding of the Bible's teach is teaching. There are people that love to pit the Bible versus the standards of a, of a church. And they'll do so publicly and they will confuse you. Well, I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not so interested in being Presbyterian as I am being a Christian. And so they pit the two well, not understanding that Presbyterians are Presbyterians because they think that it is the best biblical exp- uh, expression of, of the teaching of Christ. And that's why we're Presbyterian. You don't have to pit against them. There are people that, and good, good scholars that actually believe that this is the very teaching of Scripture. And they've given it a lot of years of, of, of study. So you need to ask questions, and you need to be very careful. And if you really, really want to make some changes in Presbyterianism, there's process. You, I'll teach you how to do that. I can teach you how to go up the courts and make overtures. We can talk. You have a great time. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful calling to try to convince people that you're right when they're wrong. Wonderful calling. Superior, superiors don't despise your your authority. If you have been given an office and suddenly you're waking up and say, Oh no, I, I, I thought it was to be an honor, but now I've got responsibility. A reformed church. Is wonderful because you have the doctrines of justification by faith and you have Soli Day of Glory and you have all these things that are very beautiful. But it is actually much more work and much more difficult to govern a Reformed church as a pastor and an elder than it is to govern an Episcopal church that is compromised. It is the duties incumbent upon a, a pastor and a Reformed church are much greater because they have much more to help the people. And so don't don't despise your authority. Don't let anybody else despise your authority. Don't, Don't fear the face of man or the consequences of ruling justly. Your only regard is to please the Lord because you're his servant and you have no authority other than that which is vested to you in the Word of God. Your job is ministerial, it is not magisterial. You cannot invent rules and you cannot dispense with rules. You are a steward. In respect of correcting others, open rebuke is better than hidden shame. It's better to be rebuked than to be allowed to go on, ruin your life, ruin your family. Ruin the church. Beware of that false humility that abdicates authority in order to appear charitable. You 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 turn you, you you turn aside from the responsibility. You neglect duties, and you appear to be very nice, and loving. You're friendly, but this is a form of manipulation sometimes, and you can be beguiled. Again, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wounds cleanse. They don't just hurt. Sometimes you open up a sore to take out cont- uh, contagion and real infection. Now, you have to understand that you will reap what you sow. You turn your back on this, on this commandment. As a youth, you're sowing sin. When you become of age and you have authority, you're going to be aghast at how many people turn against you, how many people speak ill of you, how many people despise your authority? And you basically are reaping what you sow. Until you learn and confess that you've been a complete blockhead. And ask God to forgive you. And begin to grant honor and authority to the remaining people in your life because you'll always be under some authority or another. My friends, God will bless order in the church, and He will bless your life. He wants to bless. Now, the blessing is not necessarily by commandment keeping, but it is by faith in Him as your Redeemer who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who, and out of regard for His government, your heart is pliable in the Spirit, and He sees your intent to obey, and He blesses you not strictly on on, uh, your performance, but he, He blesses you by the intent of your hearts and the leaning of your spirits, and he knows that, and if in heart you're a rebel, despite any words to the contrary, if you give begrudging service, yes, yes, but inward, your heart is like churning butter, your words are your words are smooth, but inside it's all it 's all churn, the Lord knows it, and so my friends, look for. The promise, which we'll get to in about three weeks, the promise of long life, blessing, for those who honor authority, who honor authority. Now, my friends, it's very much similar to the first commandment, isn't it? The first commandment of the first table is, it has to do with God, is, is authority. The first commandment in the second table has to do with authority. And so Malachi, in, in, in Malachi 1.6, Raises the question to to Israel. Let's see if I have it here. If I am a father, he says to to stubborn Israel, if I'm a father to you, where is my honor? Can you imagine the spirit so grieved as to say, boy, I've been taking care of these children for, for, for millennia here now, and they have no regard for me you know that the, the spirit can be grieved. And so the Lord is grieved. And so we want to honor him because our blessed God wants to bless us. And we would bring him glory and worship when we obey him. And in John 14, the Lord says, you know, Jesus says, if a man will keep my commandments, my father and I will come to him. We will, we will make our abode with him. There are huge benefits to keeping all of, any, any of God's commandments, Jesus' commandments, from the heart. Because He will amply reward you with His friendship, with His nearness. There's any number. Don't, I'm not saying that this is, do this and be blessed. I'm saying this, love God and seek His help and and seek Him from the heart. And He is a, a kind Father and He will come to you and he will show you his love. But if you toss this these words behind your back, you can only hurt yourself. You will grieve the spirit for sure, but you can only hurt yourself. Now this is wisdom. This is very, very practical wisdom. This age very badly needs it. We'll get into other relationships such as, well, what are superiors, are they? Are they autocrats? Or is there a word automatically to be uh, obeyed? What about their attitude? What about their relationship to the inferiors? We're gonna get into all that. It's very convicting for anybody, parents, teachers, elders, pastor. It's all very convicting because we all fail in this. But as for today, we who are inferiors to someone, somewhere, need to regard this teaching as we are certainly, everyone here, inferior to somebody, the governor of Texas, the president of the United States, we are inferiors and we need to learn. Let's pray. Lord, you are the the creator of the ends of the earth, and you have set an orderly arrangement to all things, including society. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful agreement and harmony and even submission that show uh, as God the Father to Jesus in the flesh. We know that this is your will, and it's holiness, it's righteousness, it's goodness, and help us to imitate the virtues of Jesus, uh, our Lord, in in all of that he has for us, and his manner uh, before authority, Pilate and Caiaphas and Ananias and others. Help us, Lord, uh, to know your will, to know what holiness is, and uh, correct us and reprove us when we're wrong. But by all means, Lord, forgive us and cleanse us And and send forth your light and your truth, and may they lead us into your holy sanctuary. We ask this, Lord, for your honor, but for the safety of our own souls. And may the Lord be pleased to grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our last hymn, Lead On, O King Eternal, 580, your son, in your hymnals.